0: In this episode of the Live Your Purpose as a Christian Entrepreneur Bible Study, we are diving into Romans chapter 9. I'm Stephanie Rodness, and welcome to the Live Your Purpose as a Christian Entrepreneur Bible Study. My goal is to encourage the discouraged with scripture, inspiration, and resources to help you do exactly what God purposed you to do on this earth, become a Christian entrepreneur. The definition of a Godlywood girl is a woman of Christ who says yes to her God-given purpose, no matter what everyone else tries to say or do. So if you are stepping into your purpose as a Christian entrepreneur, welcome to the Godlywood Girl Sisterhood. You are my people, and I can't wait to meet you. Now, let's dive into today's episode. And remember, if you want to join me for these live recordings on Godlywood Girl's Instagram feed, join me at Godlywood Girl on Instagram now. Let's dive right in. So let's get started with the word of prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you so much, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your beauty. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you so much for being the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the bright morning star, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, my everything, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Father God, I pray you bless the reading of your word. I'm not feeling the best right now, Lord Jesus, but I thank you so much for the opportunity to still be able to have the type of job where I can come on (laughs) and still be able to read that you read your word the way that you um, want us to every single day. Um, And I'm so grateful for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I pray you bless over this reading. Help us be able to absorb what you are saying to us. The book of Romans has been such a blessing so far, and I'm just so excited to see what you have in store next. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. All right, my sisters. So we are diving into Romans chapter 9, the message translation. Remember, we ended Romans chapter 8 with Paul explaining how we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And it's that love that Jesus had for us, that God sent him on the cross to die for us, that gives us salvation. That is what gives us salvation, period. What he did on the cross, believing in what he did. And there is literally nothing we can ever do to make the Lord stop loving us. He already gave it all up for us. He gave up his life for us. There's literally nothing we can do to make him not love us anymore. And that's where we begin Romans chapter 9. And Paul writes, at the same time, you need to know that I carry with me at all times a huge sorrow. It's an enormous pain deep within me and I'm never free of it. I'm not exaggerating. Christ and the Holy Spirit are my witnesses. It's the Israelites. If there were any way I could be cursed by the Messiah so they could be blessed by him, I'd do it in a minute. They're my family. I grew up with them. They had everything going for them. Family, glory, covenants, revelation, worship, promises. To say nothing of being the race that produced the Messiah, the Christ, who was God over everything always. Oh, yes. Verse 6. Don't suppose for a moment though that God's word has malfunctioned in some way or other. The problem goes back a long way. From the outset, not all Israelites of the flesh were Israelites of the spirit. It wasn't Abraham's sperm that gave identity here, but God's promise. Remember how it was put, your family will be defined by Isaac. That means that Israelite identity was never racially determined by sexual transmission, but it was God determined by promise. Remember that promise. When I come back next year at this time, Sarah will have a son. Verse 10. And that's not the only time. To Rebecca, also, a promise was made that took priority over genetics. When she became pregnant by our one-of-a-kind ancestor, Isaac, and her babies were still innocent in the womb, incapable of good or bad, she received a special assurance from God. What God did in this case made it perfectly plain that His purpose is not a hit-or-miss thing depending on what we do or don't do, but a sure thing determined by his decision, flowing steadily from his initiative. God told Rebekah, the firstborn of your tw- twins will take second place. Later, that was turned into a stark epigram. I love Jacob. I hated Esau. Verse 14. Is that grounds for complaining that God is unfair? Not so fast, please. God told Moses, I'm in charge of mercy. I'm in charge of compassion. Compassion doesn't originate in our bleeding hearts or moral sweat, but in God's mercy. The same point was made when God said to Pharaoh, I picked you as a bit player in this drama of my salvation power. All we're saying is that God has the first word initiating the action which we play our part for good or ill. Verse 19, are you going to object? So how can God blame us for anything since he's in charge of everything? If the decisions are already made, what say do we have in it? Verse 20. Who in the world do you think you are to second-guess God? (laughs) Do you for one moment suppose any of us knows enough to call God into question? Clay doesn't talk back to the fingers that mold it, saying, why did you shape me like this? Isn't it obvious that a potter has a perfect right to shape one lump of clay into a vase for holding flowers and another into a pot for cooking beans? If God needs one style of pottery especially designed to show his angry displeasure and another style carefully crafted to show his glorious goodness, isn't that alright? Either or, both happens to Jews, but it also happens to other people. Hosea put it well. I'll call nobodies and make them somebodies, I'll call the unloved and make them beloved. In the place where they yelled at, you're nobody, they're calling you God's living children. Isaiah maintained the same emphasis. If each grain of sand on the seashore were numbered and the sum labeled chosen of God, they'd be numbers still, not names. Salvation comes by personal selection. God doesn't count us, He calls us by name. Arithmetic is not his focus. All right, so thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Let's pause for a moment for today's sponsor. Isaiah had looked ahead and spoken the truth. If our powerful God had not provided us a legacy of living children, we would have ended up like ghost towns like Sodom and Gomorrah. How can we sum this up? All those people who didn't seem interested in what God was actually doing embraced what God was doing as he straightened out their lives. And Israel, who seemed so interested in reading and talking about what God was doing, missed it. How could they miss it? Because instead of trusting God, they took over. They were absorbed in what they themselves were doing. They were so absorbed in their God projects that they didn't notice God right in front of them, like a huge rock in the middle of the road. And so they stumbled into Him and went sprawling. Isaiah, again, gives us the metaphor for pulling this together. Careful. I've put a huge stone on the road to Mount Zion, a stone you can't get around. But the stone is me. If you're looking for me, you'll find me on the way, not in the way. So that's Romans chapter 9. And so in that chapter, Paul is really addressing the jews inside of the church remember paul wrote this book to the church in rome it was combined of both jews and gentiles and the jews were telling the gentiles that they would need to be circumcised in order to have salvation and paul wrote this letter to them to explain that salvation comes simply from trusting in god it requires no sal- i mean sorry it requires no circumcision it requires no obedience of the quote unquote law that the israelites had become accustomed to ever since the book of deuteronomy So what Paul was saying in in chapter 7 and 8 is that the law couldn't free us, but salvation in Christ does free us. And when when we accept Christ and truly believe in him, we start to have this transformation in our lives where we really start to have our hearts match what he wants us to do. So in verse 9, or chapter 9, what Paul is doing is addressing the Jewish people, saying, yes, even though there's salvation in Christ, and when we believe in him, that's what brings us salvation. Unfortunately, the Israelites, with all, you know, their rules and trying to be obedient, trying to be religious, missed Christ coming to them. (laughs) They literally missed him. They literally crucified him on the cross and didn't realize that he is the key to salvation, even as they were trying to obey all these laws. So what we can learn from this is not to allow our own selves and our own focus on who we are as a person and making sure we get everything right, not to allow that to become a stumbling block from doing what God actually wants us to do. A lot of times you can find this sometimes in the church even when there are expectations of how we're supposed to act and behave in the church. Oh, when praise and worship is on, we're supposed to put up our hands and make sure that we're dancing and running around because that's what everybody else is doing. So in the act of doing this thing that everybody expects you to do, you don't allow yourself to really hear the lyrics, hear the message and connect with Christ and focus on Christ. We miss worship altogether because of the show of what we're supposed to act like. It happens all the time. I remember when I was in youth group, some of the leaders, the quote unquote leaders in my youth group were so busy trying to make sure they were so perfect at everything that they did inside of the actual youth group itself, that they were so unkind to people. They didn't show any compassion. If somebody was going through a tough time, they literally were throwing the book at them and judging them instead of showing them the compassion that Jesus would want them to show. If we are looking at ourselves and looking at how we need to be perfect, we need to put on a show, we need to be religious, we can completely miss out on what God actually wants us to do. So take your focus off of you, and I'm saying this to myself as well, take this, my focus off of me, and we need to put our focus on Christ. Put our focus on the Lord. What is He asking us to do? In Romans 8, it was so powerful when, um, when we were reading yesterday's, in yesterday's episode where Paul said, what we need to do, true faith is looking at the Lord and saying, what's next, Papa? That's, that's true faith. And so for me, instead of me trying to put on a show and make sure I quote unquote, look the part, I forget all of that forget all of that. Forget about me pleasing the other people in my church or pleasing the other people in my community, pleasing this person, pleasing that person, looking the way they think I should look as a Christian. I need to look at God and say, what's next? What's next, Lord? What do you have for me next? Spend time in his word, learning what he has for me to do so I don't completely miss the point (laughs) of being the Lord's hands and feet on this earth. And if you are looking for that, if you are looking to discover what God has for you, what is next for you, what is his purpose for you, make sure you grab my free Find Your Purpose toolkit by going to PurposeGift.com. That's PurposeGift.com. And if you're like, well, Stephanie, that sounds amazing, but I actually don't even know if I'm really saved. Being a Christian is what it says in John three sixteen: For God to love the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And what that means is that being a Christian is trusting in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. So if you want to make that decision today, it's very, very simple. All you got to do is say this prayer with me and you say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose again. Today, I believe in you as my personal Lord and Savior. Sisters of Christ, if you said that prayer, welcome to the kingdom. Angels are literally celebrating you right now. Your name has been written in the book of life. Nobody can take it out. Get into a Bible-based church in your area and get started getting to know how good God is. He loves you so very much. I always recommend starting by reading the book of John because it's literally like the Lord's love letter to you. Sisters of Christ, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and give you complete and total purpose over your body, mind, and soul in the name of Jesus and give you peace, mercy, and favor forever and ever. Amen. So that's it for today's episode of the God The Wood Girl Live Your Purpose as a Christian Entrepreneur Bible Study. Have any questions? DM me anytime on Instagram or send an email to hello at GodTheWoodGirl.com. I'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to grab my free Find Your Purpose Toolkit to help you get started living God's purpose for your life at PurposeGift.com. Thanks for listening, Gatherwood girl. I'll see you on the next one.